Monday, October 25th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynes, the World Series is set. Uh, Eddie Rosario and the Braves made it, uh, knocking off the Dodgers over the weekend. It will now be the Braves and the Houston Astros opening the series in Houston on Tuesday. Uh, I don't know a lot of people who picked Atlanta as a sure sure bet to to make it to the series this year, uh, but they they sure proved themselves in that National League Championship Series against the Dodgers. You're not kidding, Joe. I mean, this was a team that was 44 and 45 at the All Star break. They, they they had a losing record. They go 44 and 28, you know, in the second half, and uh, you know they win the division and. Uh, they just keep going. And uh, Eddie Rosario is one of the reasons, man. He's, he, you know, the MVP of the NLCS hit 560. And we're, they're going to go, um, he'll go head to head with Yonder Alvarez, uh, the uh, ALC, uh, ALCS MVP, who hit 522 <laughs> against. So it's crazy. It's, it's going to be really, it should be an interesting series. Really quickly, should Indians or Guardians fans be upset that the that Cleveland basically gave Eddie Rosario to Atlanta, uh, you know, for a bucket of balls here uh, at, at the trade deadline, or was that uh, a move that the, the club needed to make? And you know, with the way he was struggling in Cleveland, anyways, it, it made no sense to keep him. Yeah, and he was a one-year rental, Joe. He wasn't coming back next year one way or the other, um, he was on the, on the injured list. And, uh, you know, I think the Indians had made the decision that they wanted to create playing time for the, the, the other outfielders they needed to see in the second half to make some decisions, you know, in the off season. I, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, that, that drove the decision and uh, I don't think they regret it. You know, I think it surprised them that, the way Rosario has has come on, and you know, when since he's come off the the injured list with Atlanta, and just you know, he he looks like the guy that used to torture the Indians when he was playing for the Twins. Right. Well, we'll uh, we'll look forward to the World Series and, and s- to see if Rosario can sort of sustain that pace uh, that he was on all throughout the National League Championship Series. Uh, other news uh, that pertains to the Guardians and to Cleveland. Uh, revolving around the the coaching staff, uh, we found out uh, late last night uh, through ESPN's Buster Only that the Padres have significant interest in Ruben Niebla, uh, the assistant pitching coach under Car- um, Carl Willis in Cleveland. Uh, he had just been promoted to that that role uh, the last couple of seasons, and and really, this is the guy who a lot of people credit for sort of generating that uh, that Cleveland pitching machine that produced guys like Shane Bieber and uh, Aaron Savali and, and Zach Plesak ready for the big leagues at, a, at such a young age. Uh, if they were to lose Ruben Niebla, it would be a, a pretty significant blow to Cleveland's pitching staff. Yeah, definitely, Joe. I think it would it would be a big loss, but I don't think uh, it's something they're, they're not pre- unprepared for. I think in the past, Ruben has had opportunities to leave the, the organization. He's turned them down because, you know, it wasn't the right fit or, you know, uh, but basically he's turned it down, turned them down because 
you know, he, he appreciates the, the culture in Cleveland. He knows what he's helped build here. Uh, and they treated him very, very well, you know, in, in terms of giving him more and more responsibility and, and in salary too. They, they, the Indians have taken care of him. They know, you know, how, you know, what, that he's very good at the job he does. And, uh, you know, you can go from all the way back to Corey Kluber uh, to, to uh, you know, Mike Clevenger. Uh, just this past offseason, he, re, he helped redo Aaron Savali's mechanics from the, from the ground up. Every pitcher that has come through the system, that has made the big leagues, that has had success at the big leagues, has been touched by Niebla and, 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 and the developmental program that he's helped develop. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people involved in this, but Niebla has kind of been the tip of the spear here. Right. But this sort of uh, this season and this offseason and, and this sort of uh, interest by the Padres might be a little different. Uh, I know Ruben uh, lives in the offseason, lives not far from, uh, you know, San Diego down in, in Southern California there. And, you know, this might be a, sort of a homecoming uh, thing for him. And uh, the Padres are in a position right now where you know, they didn't make the playoffs and the expectations were so high last season that they might need to come out and make a, a big name, you know, signing, make a splash here. And, you know, Ruben Niebla's name might not be the one that's up in lights that everybody knows, but certainly they know, uh, you know, the guy who generated the, the, the Indians pitching machine. I, I think that's, uh, um, you know, a, a pretty significant resume. I, I think that would be a big splash. Uh, move for them to make and and one that they will probably pull out all the stops to do yeah and I think uh, yeah you're exactly right Joe I think uh, you know I think Ruben has probably been looking for the uh, the right opportunity the right the right team the right organization you know uh, the, the the Padres have a you know a, a rich uh, you know minor league system that they can draw from the He's got some pitchers that he's familiar with over there. He can help Clevenger come back from his uh, second Tommy John. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it's, it sounds like a good fit. Um, and, uh, you know, he's always wanted to uh, be the Indian, uh, be, you know, a, a head pitching coach. And, uh, you know, uh, Carl Willis has done a great job here. And uh, that pitching group in Cleveland has done a great job. So, Maybe this is the, the chance for him to kind of step out on his own. Yeah, and in, in any other situation or circumstance, uh, Niebla probably would have gotten the, the head job as pitching coach, you know, several years ago. But you've got Carl Willis, who's uh, coached, what, five Cy Young Award winners in his career. Uh, you know, he's, that's pretty much the only way a guy like Ruben Niebla gets blocked is, is if he's behind, uh, you know, somebody with that sort of credentials. Uh, you know, We'll, we'll find out if the Indians are, are able to retain him or if he, he goes and makes the move. Uh, we'll find that out in the next couple of days, I'm, I'm assuming. But, you know, it, it, are the, you said the Indians are prepared for this move. What, what does it look like behind him in terms of, you know, who, uh, who comes along and, and, and fills in that role? Well, yeah, you know, that's a great point. And, I, you, know, I, um, you know, I just think, you know, when you look at the way they've handled, uh, you know, Losing a Carter Hawkins, you know they've got, you know they've 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 got that line of succession in you know established in the front office. I think they'll have it established in you know the minor league system. They they kind of redid the uh, developmental program 
uh, when uh, the Yankees hired Matt Blake as their, as their big league pitching coach uh, before last season. And I think they'll, they'll be able to do the same when, if, and when uh, Ruben leaves. Right. It'll be uh, a significant loss there. It good. To, it, it's always good to see Ruben and say hi to him uh, on the field as he heads out, you know, during pregame with, with the pitchers to stretch and, uh, he's always always approachable and, and really easy to talk to. So uh, we'll we'll look forward to seeing the results there. All right, as uh, as we move forward here, we want to get into uh, the idea of this off season. We are maybe a week away from the the end of the World Series, and you know, five days after that is when all the dominoes really start falling. Uh, we want to run through some scenarios. We've we've been. We've been sort of given an assignment, Hoinsey. We've been told to, to think like a GM uh, for this podcast. So we're going to put on our GM thinking caps, uh, okay. borrowed them from Mike Chernoff, and uh, we're going to approach a, a couple of different scenarios and situations uh, as that are facing uh, Cleveland in the upcoming offseason and, and just sort of give our thoughts and feelings on them and what they're going to do and, and sort of like Tito always says, if he had a crystal ball, uh, he, his job would be a lot easier. Uh, we're going to try and look into the crystal ball here and see what the uh, what Cleveland is is heading towards and, and looking at this offseason. And we're going to start right away with those first uh, sort of upfront decisions, uh, the first order of business, uh, five days after the conclusion of the World Series. Uh, they have a pair of contract options that uh, are on the table for 2022. Jose Ramirez worth 12 million and Roberto Perez worth 7 million with a $450,000 buyout. Uh, what do you think is going to happen there? Well, I think uh, one, Joe, uh, they're going to, they're going to pick up uh, Ramirez's option uh, for 2022. Uh, uh, number two, I, I do not believe, They'll uh, they'll exercise uh, Roberto Perez's option, his seven million dollars for 2022, and uh, I do think uh, they might try to uh, re-sign Perez at, for for you know lesser dollars, but uh, we'll have to see how that goes. Yeah, I, I would agree that that Jose Ramirez at 12 million dollars is an absolute steal for the level of production and the talent that he has. Uh, I think he, he would be the one of the biggest values in all of baseball uh, at that price. Roberto Perez, like you said, has dealt with injuries. You know, we, we saw in 2019 what he can do when he's fully healthy for a season. Uh, $450,000 for the buyout, I think, is, is a, you know, a good deal to, to get out from under that $7 million. You're already going to be paying Austin Hedges in excess of $3 million in arbitration. So uh, I just don't know if I'm sold on the idea that Perez would, would return at a lower price. Uh, it seems to me that he would, he would try to go elsewhere. Uh, it's, it's really doesn't make a lot of sense to, to say, you know, Hey, we're, we're going to turn you down for 7 million, but we think you're worth, you know, X, Y, Z million. Uh, players have pride. Players have ego. I don't think he comes back uh, next uh, season. I think he'll, he'll try to maybe, maybe latch on with uh, a, a contender who knows so we'll see it's not like he's he's getting any younger yeah the, the 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 problem is joe that he is you know he's in that category like you said he's what 30 32 he's you know he might have to be if the indians offer him a big league contract 
you know, a one-year big league contract, that might be better than the options that, that he's looking at is, you know, as, as, as opposed to uh, going to camp on a minor league, if, you know, make good deal that, that might be, you know, coming his way. Right. Yeah. That you're, you're right. That signing, uh, you know, some sort of lesser deal would, would probably avoid that sort of, I don't want to say embarrassment, but yeah, you're right. Uh, and as far as the other free agents that are out there for the Indians, Brian Shaw, Blake Parker, and Wilson Ramos, uh, I think all three of them could probably be had if, if there's interest on the Indian side. All three of them could probably be had uh, for uh, definitely, you know, team affordable sort of contracts. All right. Let's look at uh, the next sort of area of, of sort of interest here. Uh, looking for a trade partner. Over the last several seasons, uh, during the deadline, uh, the Indians have have you know identified trade partners significantly. Uh, San Diego as, as one of them, as a as an organization that they've sort of rated their um, minor league system. Uh, what what do you think of the chances that the Indians are able to work a trade for? A, a corner outfielder, somebody that they can insert into the lineup that would provide a little punch offensively uh, ahead of any sort of, you know, negotiations for free agents where they could maybe get a free agent and make a trade and really do a, a complete outfield makeover. Yeah, I think that's a course of action they'll take, Joe. I think uh, they'll explore that. They always, uh, you know, Mike Chernoff and, and Chris Antonetti in the front office always cast a wide net, you know, regarding free agents, trade possibilities. You know, they've been doing that, you know, since the end of the regular season. Um, you know, they have all that uh, data, you know, from the, the build up to the trade deadline on July 30th. So that just carries over into the offseason. I think they'll definitely look for, for a team where a team interested in, a in their in their younger prospects, and B in, perhaps in in guys like Mercado and Zimmer that are you know out of options and and maybe they could they would have to they could take them in a deal. But obviously, if they did, they'd have to you know they'd have to keep them on on their on their forty man and or the twenty six man roster. Yeah, a, a lot of those you know potential deals are are sort of scuttled because the Indians don't have control over guys like. Mercado and Zimmer uh, beyond this this season, it's it's just tough because those teams could just wait for Cleveland to have to make a decision to cut those guys loose and then swoop in and, like you said, offer them a one-year make-good deal uh, or a minor league contract and try and improve themselves at spring training. So, yeah, it's a tough position for, for some of those guys. I and mean, we're talking mainly about guys like Harold Ramirez, Bradley Zimmer, Oscar Mercado, uh, who, who we saw up here, and even a, a Daniel Johnson. Uh, I, I believe they still have a, a year of control on, on Johnson as well. So, you know, maybe there's a, a trade to be worked there. But uh, you bring up an interesting point about the surplus of young talent that the Indians have. Uh, there, there might be some guys who we never saw up at the big league level who get moved or traded as part of a package. Uh, to try and 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 bring in uh, a major league ready outfielder that can contribute. Yeah, what about a team like Pittsburgh? You know, a rebuilding team that is uh, looking for uh, younger players. 
um, and would be willing to trade one of their maybe maybe one of their you know kind of not the veteran guys, but I don't know if that it's kind of an oxymoron, a young veteran, uh, you know, uh, outfielder that would still have two or three years of control over, but perhaps a, the the Pirates could get a big return on on young guys, you know, like uh, you know, like a, a Clevenger deal with San Diego, so to speak. Right. Yeah. My my only my only response to that would be, you know, does does Pittsburgh have a lot that would interest the Indians, and uh, you know, that that would be a, an area to research for sure. All right. Moving on, uh, then sort of the next phase is getting into that offseason uh, decision making on the the forty man roster and what young players you're going to add to the 40-man roster in time for the Rule 5 draft at the end of the winter meetings in December. Uh, you've got guys, you've got a whole slew of guys who are Rule 5 eligible who might be attractive to a big league team. Now, uh, we understand the rules of the Rule 5 draft is that if you, you select a guy, it costs you $100,000 and you have to keep him on your big league roster for the entire season, think about uh, what the Indians did with uh, Trevor Steffen this year. They took him from the Yankees and he stayed on the roster, you know, despite struggles throughout the entire season, or you have to offer him back to the, the franchise that you selected him from. Uh, names that are eligible uh, and that the Indians will definitely have to consider putting on the 40 man uh, top prospect, Tyler Freeman, uh, outfield prospect, George Valera, and infielder Brian Rocchio among the uh, the, the infielders and, and the, the position players. Uh, what do you think is going to happen there with these 40-man roster decisions? Yeah, I think it's going to be really, really interesting how the Indians handle this, Joe. If you look at the 40-man roster right now, there's 10 players that are out of options. Um, then you look at, you know, the, some of the players you just mentioned, Freeman, uh, Valera, uh, Rocio, uh, you know, along with, uh, you know, Cody Morris and, and Janeski Noel and, you know, just, you know, there's at least eight to 10 players that, you know, that have made an impression that, you know, probably uh, if, if they don't put them on the 40 man are going to be exposed to, you know, some te other team is going to swoop in and perhaps take them. So uh, this is really going to be like a chess match to see, what pieces they the, the Indians take off the forty man, and what pieces they add to it, and it's got to be done by November twentieth. So I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing how how this unfolds. Right, and it, it's interesting, like guys like Valera and Rocchio, who haven't played high enough, they haven't gotten you know past Double A uh, in in their experience. A, a team would normally probably shy away from. Yeah, you know, selecting guys like that because they're they're not ready. They they need at least another year uh, in the minors to to sort of get themselves ready. But the the opportunity to take one of them for a hundred thousand uh, dollars and 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 have if you're a team that's that's desperate for a middle infielder or desperate for a corner outfielder, boy, I I, I can't see how you pass on on taking one of those guys if they're left exposed. And if you're the Indians, do you you know? put them on the roster. And that means within a year or two, those guys have to be up. You, you don't, you don't give away a 40 man roster spot without saying, okay, you know, the clock's ticking on these guys. They're going to be in the big leagues in the next two years. Yeah. You know, that's the decision. That's what those guys get paid for. 
you know, th that's where the evaluation, the, the, the saber metrics, all that, all that combines to, uh, you know, determine a guy's, you know, how fast he's going to climb the ladder and his, his ETA, ETA in the big leagues. And, you know, it's, it's really, really, uh, gonna, it's fascinating to watch. And, uh, you know, like you said, Joe, the clock is running and, uh, do you, you know, even if like, can, can you, if you add a guy like Valera, is there a chance he could help you, you know, in, in 2022, uh, can he, could he come straight from double a or maybe triple a if he starts a season there? And helps you in the outfield in a in a, in a at a position where you need help. So that that's going to be really really interesting. I mean, they've done it. We've seen them do it with pitching, but can they do it with position players? Yeah, uh, one one thing's for sure. I think all three of those names, uh, Freeman, Valeria, and Rocchio, will will probably get invites to major league camp. So we'll get at least a an early glimpse of of where they are when when we see them in spring training. Uh, in Goodyear. All right. The next, uh, the next move, I, I guess, is sort of with the CBA expiring in in December at the end of the league year. Uh, you know what's out there in terms of the decisions that need to be made, and what moves can Cleveland make to sort of protect and safeguard themselves against basically the great unknown, which is you know labor <laughs> in. Uh, not insecurity, but uh, I guess uh, um, uncertainty uh, is is the, the 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 way I'd phrase it. Uh, you know, we don't know if there's even going to be a season starting on time next year. Yeah, that's and I know that's uh, you know if you're uh, uh, Mike Mike Chernoff or, or Chris Antonetti, you have to deal with this as as if the season's going to start on time. But always in the back of your mind, you know, you're weighing things. Uh, can you? You know, if, if there's no CBA, can you make a trade? Can you, can you make, you can't make trades. Can you sign a free agent? You know, how, how, what, what does that do to the backlog of, of free agents? You know, how do you improve your team? If, if, you know, the both sides are, you know, if, if there's a, you know, a, a work stoppage or, or, you know, some kind of work stoppage, it, it's, you know, they haven't had to deal with this since, uh, 1994, you know, been, there's been labor peace since then. Uh, but, uh, you know, it seems like uh, th this could be this could be a turning point for baseball, whether they go back, whether it goes back to the bad old days or, you know, they're, they're able to find a middle ground, the Players Association and the owners, and they can protect the game and, and keep it going. All these things that are on the table uh, in, in terms of being thrown out there in terms of, you know, changing the setup for revenue sharing. Uh, could they, you know, change the arbitration rules and and alter the, the amount of time that you have uh, a control over a player? Uh, could free agency protocols change uh, or will there even be like we've heard rumors of a salary floor or anything like that? Uh, does does adding a universal DH change a, a team's approach? or change the approach for the Indians or, uh, or for Cleveland in terms of, you know, competing for those outfield bats that they, they want to in, in free agency or in trades. Um, you know, if, if 15 more designated hitter spots open up in the national league, uh, all of that changes and influences the way teams approach. I remember when we went back uh, early in the, the COVID pandemic, 
Uh, and when we didn't know if there was going to be a season or they were, they had just shut things down in spring training and Cleveland made a bunch of roster moves that were kind of head scratchers at the time. You know, they sent a couple of guys, uh, they optioned a couple of guys to triple a, they, they moved some pieces around in, in anticipation of that. I wonder if before the end of the league year, we're going to see a flurry of moves like that as well. That could really cause us to sort of, you know, scratch our heads about, you know, we don't know what the approach is going to be because there's the, this uncertainty. Yeah. And, you know, if the, uh, if the big leaguers go on strike, if there's a work stoppage, can do, do the minor leaguers keep playing? Can you stash your players there? The guys who have options, can they, can you send them down to AAA to keep them sharp? Uh, you know, all of that comes into play and we're going to know pretty soon joke because the, the, uh, the CBA uh, expires on December 5th. I mean, December 1st. So, you know, we'll have a pretty good idea of how this thing is going to go. And, and right now it's kind of been all silent on the uh, Western front as far as, you know, the how the negotiations are going, they are going there. There are some talks going on, but usually, you know, the heavy stuff doesn't get uh, decided on until, you know, the deadline is, is approaching. Is hey, right all I'm there. saying, all I'm saying is I'm pretty sure Shane Bieber has a minor league option left. Uh, just uh, <laughs> if you're thinking about stashing him in the minors. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for, for something like that, no, I, that would never be a, a consideration, I'm sure. But uh, definitely something to think about. All right. Uh, sort of uh, among these, these last, stages here uh of the off season um we have we have to see what the decisions on non-tender candidates are going to be i think the indians really are i'm sorry i think cleveland really has uh two you know sort of obvious candidates for non-tendering uh, or uh, I, I believe the rule is you have to offer by a certain date you have to offer arbitration eligible players um a contract and in, uh, Cleveland would have Shane Bieber, Framil Reyes, Ahmed Rosario, Austin Hedges, uh, Bradley Zimmer, and Nick Wickren. Uh, could be Cal Quantrill and Josh Naylor, uh, maybe even Harold Ramirez as Super Twos, depending on when the service time cutoff is announced. But I would say out of that group, Zimmer and Wickren look like guys that will probably be non-tendered. Would you agree? Yeah, the, the non-tender date is December 2nd. Uh, and uh, you could try to sign these guys beforehand, you know, to a, to a lesser deal. Now, you know, I guess that comes into play. I mean, how do you evaluate Rick Whitgren? You know, he's had two good seasons and he struggled this season. How do you evaluate uh, Zimmer? You know, we've, we, the Indians finally got, you know, a prolonged look at him after, you know, two or three years where he's battled injuries. So, uh, you know, and, and what do those players, what position do those players feel? Do they have to, if they are offered a one-year deal, uh, you know, do they take it or do they, you know, they turn it down? Do they exchange numbers or do they risk getting non-tendered and becoming free agents? So, you know, it, there's a lot of give and take right in that process right there. Yeah, you're looking at uh, projections in arbitration for Zimmer at 1.5 and Nick Wickerin at 2.8. Uh, you know, it... it Remains to be seen what what the Indians can do, budget wise. Uh, they've said that the the salary uh, th that they're 
Uh, payroll is going to go up next year, but we don't know exactly how much. So, you know, is is a is two point eight million for Nick Wickerin and what he gave you last year, uh, you know, something that you can afford uh, next season? Yeah, and I would think, Joe. I think uh, you know. I think the the payroll probably go up between what sixty five to seventy million from fifty, whatever it was. I that's where I, you know, I I that's what I've heard. It it might you know expand to. That's still not you know uh, the average. The average is like a hundred million based on you know this this past season. But it's it's better than fifty million. And you're right. You know these guys always uh, squeeze every penny. Until it screams, so I think they're gonna. They want to get a value, the, the most value they can out of, out of every dollar they spend on payroll. So you know it's gonna be it's gonna be a tight fit. You know, just like it always is. And speaking of uh, you know squeezing every penny and uh, you know paying guys and, and salary and and uh, contracts, you're looking at sort of the the last thing that the Indians. Or the, I'm sorry, the last thing that Cleveland focuses on in an offseason is, you know, around the time when guys arrive at camp and, you know, up through maybe the, the beginning of, of exhibition games in camp uh, are extension candidates, guys that, you know, either have contracts or are eligible for arbitration. And, you know, you want to extend them. You want to maybe buy a couple of years of their free agency uh, as they've done in the past. Uh, used to do it a lot more frequently. Uh, and, and now they might be in a position to start doing it again with some of this young core after identifying players. Uh, they, they could rework the final, you know, two years of Jose Ramirez's contract uh, and, and sort of pay him, you know, what he's worth. Uh, but then there's also Shane Bieber, who uh, missed a significant portion of this season with an injury and might be more receptive right now to uh, signing a long-term extension. Yeah, you know, they always do. Yeah, like you said, the timetable is right around spring training. That's the last order of business for them, uh, you know, headed into the spring training and at the end of the offseason are extensions. And, you know, I would look for them, Joe, you know, uh, to try maybe, you know, they they knocked on Bieber's door last last spring and he didn't answer. You know, he just, you know, the, the answer was no. Does he change now after the shoulder injury? I don't know, but I would tend to doubt it. Uh, you know, maybe Ramirez, they've got a better chance there, but I would look for him to, to go younger. I would look for him to go, you know, maybe, a, would they do that with a, with a class A? You know, I know they don't really over, they haven't really paid, you know, I mean, given extensions to closers, but he seems like a special guy to me. What about a Quantrill? Would you would you do that with Quantrill? You know, uh, you know, it, it, there there seems to be, you know, maybe they, maybe what about Eddie, uh, Rosario, uh, Med Rosario? Would they mm -hmm. would they try maybe to go that in that direction? I, I think the one name you didn't throw out there in Framil Reyes, we we've right. seen him with consistency over the last couple of years. Uh, you know, you know that the potential is there for him to be a 30 to, you know, 40 home run guy in a season. Uh, and he's, he's still relatively young. Uh, I, I think Framo Reyes would be a priority because on top of all that, he could really be the face of your franchise, you know, sort of in addition to Jose Ramirez and Shane Bieber. This is, uh, you know, a Dominican player who, who is, he's very, 
outgoing. He's, he's got a bigger person. He's a big guy. He's got a bigger personality, and we've all seen it in post-game interviews, and he's, he's easy and fun to talk to. Uh, they could build so much of a, of a campaign around him. He's, he's, he's sort of like a, a miniature version, only bigger, of, uh, of Francisco Lindor. That's the, the personality and the, sort of the outgoing way. He's, he, he is the prime candidate in, in a bigger market in New York they would have giant billboards of this guy in, in times square. Uh, no doubt in my mind. So yeah, I, I think there are other areas besides Bieber and Ramirez where they could maybe invest and, and sort of try to gain interest. If, if you lock up Emmanuel class, a, if you lock up uh, Fran Reyes and, and then you go to Bieber and you say, Hey, look, we're building something here, get on board. And, and maybe that is an incentive and, and he can see the path to the uh, to, to Cleveland, you know, being a winning franchise in the next couple of years. Yeah, that's a great point. Great point with Reyes. I forgot about Reyes, you know, and, and uh, you know, like you said, he's young. I mean, he had the oblique injury, but everybody has an oblique injury. It's not like he's been injury prone. You know, he's productive, but I don't think we've seen the best of him yet. And uh, he's still controllable. So uh, that would be a, a good guy to, uh, you know, kind of, you know, Broach, broach the subject subject of a, an extension in spring training. All right. Well, uh, time to take the GM cap off uh, for, for now. We'll, well, yeah, a little tight on the head there. Um, <laughs> uh, so much to think about. So many, you know, hurdles to 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 clear and hoops to jump through uh, for Chris Antonetti for Mike Chernoff in this offseason. It'll be interesting to see uh, how they how they make their moves and and what they plan. Uh, we, you know, we've We've seen it enough times till we get a till we get a, a pretty good idea of what they're going to do, but you never know until they, they actually pull the trigger. Yeah, this is their season. This is their World Series, the off season. You know, their playoffs. This is when all front offices, you know, make their moves, make the to help determine the success of uh, next year's team. All right. Well, we'll make our moves to uh, tomorrow's Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Twins, we'll talk to you then. All right, Joe.